you know you can get all of our podcasts on our free podcast app? Head over to rawattractionpodcast.com to download the app now. For the world's most ecstatic love and sex podcasts, bonus videos, and exclusive articles, head to rawattractionpodcast.com to get the free app now. So I welcome to day uh, someone I've wanted to get on for a while, JP Sears. Hi, JP. Hey, Steve. How are you doing? That's a good question. Delightfully dysfunctional is the best I can do today. Yeah, we mm. are in a bit of time difference. So you're waking up in the morning. So maybe after this podcast, we can get you out of that delusional, dysfunctional. Fun. Yeah. Uh, I hope so. I think we can. Mature from delightfully dysfunctional until uh, to uh, incredibly dysfunctional and no delight about it. That way I'll get to feel more sorry for myself. Okay. So today we are, I wanted to get JP on the show because I just see what he's doing in his work with educating people uh, about spirituality and life and relationships and um, it's important teachings and what he's doing and with his long Jesus hair and his comedy vibe, which I'm sure Jesus must have been pretty good at himself. Um, no question. Definitely. And <laughs> so I had to bring him on to kind of talk about more about what he's doing and he he does videos about relationships which I've seen and they're really really informative so my first question to you JP kind of what got you started in doing this because people must watch this because um, it's, it's like a, a new brand of comedy where you're on the intersection of spirituality dry sense of humor mm. and a bit of sexuality and relationships and stuff like, that. like you found the real niche and so what how did you manage to start with all this yeah it's a good question uh, about two years ago i just started doing youtube videos of a little bit more of a only serious nature on you know different self-growth spiritual topics anything from you know any of the nuances of relationships to how to be happy how to overcome depression and i was doing those just to get myself out there to better support my uh, business of doing one-on-one -on -one, uh, coaching sessions with people. And then uh, before too long, uh, actually it was long, it was probably a year and a half, where I began to allow my my more natural self to just come out through videos. I've always had, a, some would say, a good sense of humor. Others would say incredibly warped and demented mind, just, you know, whatever your perception is there. Uh, so I allowed myself to just be more me on videos and and that's uh, that's what we see in the kind of the conscious comedy videos. And, you know, the... I didn't plan on those going big, if you want to call them big. I'll just be arrogant enough to say, boy, I'm a, they're big. Steve, I'm a big deal. Damn it. It's nearly at four million, isn't it? The, um, the yeah. gluten one. Yeah, it's, it's getting up there. And, and so I, I, I certainly won't claim to have planned out like those are going to grow. I'm going to find the the sort of a niche intersection that you talked about. 
it just sort of happened. And, and to me, it's important to do a dance with the audience where they respond and, you know, really receive very well the, the message within the conscious comedy and that kind of, okay, uh, I'll, I'll do more of that. So it's kind of like, I let the audience be the dance partner who, who's actually leading. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so that's a little bit of how I got started in it. And then the conscious comedy, it's, it's kind of taken on a life of its own. And, uh, as you and I were talking before we went on air, the the conscious comedy it seems to be an edge that um, helps open doors for people to consider messages uh, on relationships, spirituality that otherwise you know just aren't going to be considered by people if they're talked about in a straightforward way. Yeah, it's a it's a genius little fun and. So your intention really is to be teaching rather than, I think when you might watch the first one of your videos or one of them with the comedy edge, you might go, okay, is he teaching or is he kind of taking the mickey out of um, spiritual people? Mm -hmm. This, what What's your opinion on that? What Are you actually intending to teach or... Um, my intention is that there's always a message in the videos. And of course, I'm biased. I make the damn videos. So of course, I have to say, boy, they're deep and profound, aren't they? That is uh, my intention. And I think the message is always in the eye of the beholder. The question for the viewer is, do you see a message there? And if so, what is the message you see? And if you do see a message, what is it? And what does it mean to you? Um, but yeah, I I don't have motivation to do comedy just for the sake of enter, entertaining people and getting a laugh. While that's certainly a, a wonderful thing to do, it's not my thing. Uh, so for me, the, the backbone of my heart and soul is to get messages out there, messages that I certainly know I need to hear. And I believe there's other people who need to hear them too. So the old thing about we, we tend to teach what we need to learn the most. Uh, I need to learn. Uh, there's a lot of my own dogmas I'm still wrapped around in amongst other things. So those videos for me uh, always carry messages that not only I need to learn, but also uh, invitations for other people to consider uh looking in, at themselves in a new light. And the interesting thing about comedy, I kind of mentioned before a little bit about how it tends to help people become more willing to look at what the, the deeper message is. So, you know, when we, when we look at someone and tell them, Hey, you're dogmatic. You are, you are just uh, incredibly closed minded about your belief system well, we're going to be met with defenses. Uh, we'll become rigid, won't consider it. That's how I am, at least when other people tell me things. But I, for me, uh, comedy, it's kind of like an alchemist uh, where it doesn't really carry anything that you need to defend against. It's, it's just a, well, more lighthearted uh, energy and the alchemist of it is, 
you know, when we kind of invite the the comedy, the message, as well as the entertainment of it to come in, uh, I think that alchemist goes to work and helps us transform uh, some of the old stuff, old residues of beliefs that we carry that don't really serve us. Um, and again, that's all my perspective. I don't know that any of that actually happens. It's a beautiful way of thinking about comedy because uh, we don't often have that conversation in society where what what is comedy can can it, can it be useful for? Obviously, it's useful for laughing and letting go of stress. But then I think you're you've actually what what you said there. It's actually a kind of spiritual way of looking at comedy. Like how can we actually use it? as you're using it <clears throat> to um, first of all put us in a state in our bodies where we actually do have a light heart like you said mm. I feel light hearted when I, I watch your stuff and if you have a light heart then it's it's gonna feel more open and and therefore the message can come in um, a lot easier and you can share that message with friends and you are oh, this thing was so funny and I learned something from it as well and yeah it's powerful um, really powerful stuff mm. yeah so yeah and I find it a little and thank you for that by the way the it's a lovely compliment um, I find it ironic uh, how a lot of us would look at call it the spiritual realm and we take away one of the messages lessons from the spiritual realm that kind of says don't take life too seriously and personally I love that message don't take life too seriously this is all just an illusion uh, it's obviously a very persistent an illusion it's a very important one and I think for those of us that value that message, don't take life too seriously, it becomes ironic how we then take a very serious attitude towards our spiritual practice that by definition says don't take life too seriously. So I think there is the the proverbial audience out there, the way they've responded to uh, the messages I speak through comedy it suggests to me that there is a hunger out there for the lightheartedness. Uh, let's not take too seriously these not too serious spiritual beliefs and practices I have. Uh, so I, I personally love the lighthearted message. And by the way, I also know that always being lighthearted, always laughing, that in and of itself is a way of becoming out of balance, deflecting from ourselves. So I know there's the shadow side of comedy, yet I think the the world at large, if I could call it that, has quite a hunger and need for the lighthearted uh, comedy so that we better learn how not to take ourselves too seriously and not to take our beliefs so seriously. For me, if I could just have a magic wand, one of the intentions I think behind any comedy video I do, there's always the intention to invite people to look at their beliefs, give themselves permission to have their beliefs, but not believe their beliefs. So in other words, it's taking a lighthearted attitude to something that's very heavy, structured, and stable inside of us, our beliefs. I get that message, definitely. And um, 
Yeah, it's funny what you said there about having the, the serious look at your, the non-serious stuff. It's that thing that, oh, I'm sure he's not the only one, but I was reading Ken Wilber's book called No mm. Boundary and talks about the dualism of language and that because of humans and he he's calls from the religious perspective and said Adam had to name, someone had to name things, whoever it was, whoever his name was Adam, we've put his name as Adam, but someone had to name stuff. And because we've named stuff, um, there's this dualistic thing in language where there's always going to be some opposite. And then mm -hmm. the paradox is, um, yeah, there is going to be an opposite, like you said, but there also isn't. Like, if we were all in the kind of the consciousness consciousness realm of Jesus, and I'm not religious or Christian per se, but I say Jesus is kind of the known person or sure. someone like Buddha or Dalai Lama or someone like that. They, they, even the ones that are living today or the ones you can see on YouTube, like Osho, for example, if you look his videos up, he's got a really like light-hearted sense of humor. And so, yeah, that, I just wanted to see a pick on that point that you said there is this opposite, but then really if you're wanting to kind of live in this higher realm of consciousness, then there must be this lightheartedness without the opposite, do you know, yeah. do you think? If uh, the message I get from your wonderful insights, Steve, is the lightheartedness helps us find the, the, the space in between the two opposites. So I think anytime we get polarized, we are lost in an illusion uh, my hands raised. I'm in that club often and let's forgive ourselves and let's do our best to recognize it when it happens. Uh, I believe it's like uh, Ram Das has said, you can't get out of a jail until you know you're in one. So when we realize, Hey, I'm in this jail of illusion. I'm, I'm very polarized about whatever it is. I'm polarized about essentially everything. And I can go from one extreme to the other and for me, the intention of the lighthearted comedy is to help us uh, take the cement boots off from wherever we've rooted ourselves in whatever extreme polarity that we're at. You know, our own personal dogma that we buy into because it feels safe and familiar where, you know, our, our uh, sense of certainty has no correlation to actual truth. It just has high correlation to I feel safer believing this and being certain about this. So when we're rooted there, I think the the alchemist of comedy comes in and adds levity to the gravity that's otherwise got us rooted in a polarity so that we can have the space in between where, you know, it's kind of like the eye of the hurricane. It's the most peaceful part of the hurricane it's stillness and you know when we're in the periphery of the hurricane and our extreme polarities it wears us out and i you know the i think that's what a lot of us are looking for even though we may not know that that's what we're looking for and i also appreciate uh both worlds you know the the delusional world of relativity of here are the extremes you know i want to go into that uh, it's very enjoyable and 
I also want to be able to step out of it to the best of my ability and have a bit of a resting place in the space in between, whether I'm there for half a second, maybe three seconds at a time on a good day. I don't, uh, who, who knows, but, but to me, you know, to me, Bruce Lee said it well, be like water, be able to be fluid, move from one place to the next, be dynamic, go into the extremes, great, and then step out of them. And I think even this place of uh, stillness in between the eye of the hurricane, if we're not willing to be like water and even move out of that, and into the extremes, get delusional, step out of it, then our stance in the space in between becomes an extreme in and of itself. Uh, that becomes our dogma where we root ourselves. And uh, that's when we kind of get pretty ultra spiritual and uh, start believing that the beliefs we believe are actually true. So I love Bruce Lee and his work and, stuff and I know that quote and I'm thinking this comedy this lightheartedness is almost like the fire that keeps the the hardened ice if we're going with this metaphor that we can be sometimes and it brings us back to water it, I mean it can be hard when you're in a really tough place like a really tough place in your life um, and to switch on some lightheartedness automatically is is hard but I think it's doable. So I'm, I'm wondering if you agree with that. And, and also, how would you recommend for people to bring more lightheartedness into themselves and into their relationship? Um, is it, I'm guessing it's not just like thinking about comedy, funny stuff to stay, say, I think the comedy comes after the lightheartedness rather than the comedy coming before the lightheartedness. Yeah. So, yeah, so maybe if you agree with what I just said, and then uh, some practical ways to bring more lightheartedness into people's lives. Yeah. Well, uh, I do agree, uh, at least with how I heard you say what you said. And uh, yeah, I, I think there is lightheartedness to be found uh, anywhere. I think that's part of our proverbial co-creative power where lightheartedness is always a matter of, uh, how are we perceiving a given situation and how we perceive the situation or ourself or another person? Um, that's part of our creative power. And I think it's wonderful. And you know how to get there, like anything meaningful, I think it's super easy to say and more challenging to do, especially when we get emotionally charged. I mean, when we get emotionally charged, uh, you know, the, the intelligent part of our brain, it literally gets de-energized and, and it can be quite, you know, when we're in the heat of the battle, or at least we think we're in the battle, even though the battles probably never existed. So some of what works for me doesn't work perfectly. It just kind of works in a clinic, I think is about as good as it can get for me anyway is uh, I love to borrow the uh, words. I think it was Alan Watts. I'm sure lots of other people have said their version of it. Nothing is as it seems. 
So when we feel the heaviness going on in our life about whatever we're uh, concerned about, I don't think any of us can be reminded too often. Nothing is as it seems. Look at how I think this is. And then am I willing to go into the wisdom of insecurity and question that? Here's how I think it is. And what if it's just not that? What if it isn't as it seems? What else could actually be the truth of the matter here? You know, it seems like, ah, the world's ought to get me. Well, what if that isn't as it seems? Yes, it seems that way, but it isn't that way. If we're willing to question the certainty of our belief through, I think it's, again, the the golden key of nothing is as it seems, uh, then I think that lets the light of levity uh, begin coming in. And along with that, I, I think it's very much uh, uh, synonymous with the whole reminding ourselves nothing is as it seems, but also reminding ourselves that we're delusional as hell without shaming ourselves for it. You know, for me, it's, uh, I love reminding myself and even saying out loud, yeah, I'm delusional as hell. And approaching that with a sense of self-acceptance. I accept my delusionality. Uh, I'm looking at how the world appears to me, and I'm guessing it's nowhere close to how it appears to me, you know, what it actually is. And I think we we tend to laminate and attach a sense of shame to our delusional selves. You know, you, you, you uh, you get something wrong, you know, you weren't accurate, you're wrong, you know, you get an F on the test. So we're never really rewarded for our delusional nature until we learn how to actually reward ourselves for it and appreciate it. So to me, accepting our delusionality is very important. In fact, I think that's what, uh, uh, when you look at any good comedian, what they're doing is they're simply playing with people's delusionality. So what gets a laughter response is the comedian, you know, they're setting up the joke and they're, they're getting our minds to think in one direction. And then when the punchline is delivered, all of a sudden what that punchline delivers is something on the opposite end of the spectrum. You know, they, they get you thinking one way, but they deliver the punchline in a complete opposite direction than what you were thinking. And then that space in between, as we go from what we were expecting to what's actually delivered, that space in between, that's insecurity, that's confusion. That's what creates the emotional response of laughter. And I, and I, and I think that's always a reminder to us that we're delusional. I think that's what's actually being played with. Here's what I think. And then here's the reality of what's delivered. And then we laugh our delusional way to the real, the reality of the joke, if you will. So, you know, I, I, I think if we weren't delusional, it would be impossible to laugh. And, uh, that would be a interesting way of thinking about it. Yeah. Impossible to laugh if we weren't delusional. Man. And that might be a very delusional thing for me to say, but I'm okay with it. 
that's that's a really deep question to even think about it. And what you're saying um, about nothing is what it seems is very crucial because um, I heard it recently, and he definitely wasn't the first person to say it. But Dr. Joe Dispenza at his workshop, he's saying we only see one percent of the visible light spectrum. So, um, and from many people can sense other dimensions and other, um, if they take ayahuasca for example, I know you've done a video of that, I've taken it, and uh, that certainly makes you see other dimensions, and there's just so much happening um, outside this third dimensional reality that we can see, and uh, physicists will argue the same point, um, it's not just taking a sacred medicine or magic mushrooms or the mm -hmm. scientists know there's other way stuff going on way beyond what we know so that nothing is what we seems is is really at on many levels about its core level is just saying take yourself really lightheartedly because you're we don't know what's going on around us and yeah. it's like it's a it's saying be more mystical yeah. And on that note, I'll have a little more ayahuasca. By the way, that unicorn licking the top of your head, Steve, it, it looks like it needs some more water. Anyway, we'll talk about that later. You know, you mentioned mystical. I love that word, and it's uh, it's relative word of mystery. I think mystery is what really fills up our lives with meaning, the more we allow ourselves to be in a relationship with mystery, I think the bigger and more expansive our inner sense actually is. The more we disconnect from mystery, put on the blinders, close our eyes, I'll believe my beliefs, no question about it, because I want to disconnect from the fear that always goes along with mystery it starts to diminish our life, makes us feel empty inside. And no matter how many cars we buy or how much status we acquire or how pathetic we get, if we want to go to the opposite polarity, it's just not enough to fill up that, that inner satiation that I think can only be fulfilled through our relationship with mystery. And I, you know, mystery by definition uh, implies there's a lot you don't know. So I, I think it's really telling us not only are we delusional, we need to be delusional, and it's a great thing we're delusional. It's like if you what makes a movie good is how delusional we are about it. If we know all about the movie, we know exactly what what's happening, what's going to happen, how it ends, you know, there's a reason why nobody, oh, I haven't seen that movie, don't tell me the ending. There's a reason why nobody wants to know the ending. It's because our delusionality helps connect us more with mystery, which gives us more, I think, deeper inner fulfillment. So it's like this, this great mystical friend of ours, delusionality, we oftentimes treat it like an enemy. We try and rid it. We, we spray it with pesticides you know, our, let me learn about everything so there's no more mysteries in life. But I think it's really a great What do you think friend. the opposite of mystery is then? I was thinking, uh, is it logic? But maybe it's not logic. What, is, what do you think it is? 
Well, I would call it certainty. Uh, mystery is a realm that says I don't know. Certainty is a realm that says I know. And when we say I don't, I know, and I'm I'm certain, I, I think it doesn't at all mean that we uh, actually know. I think it means I think I know what's going on here. And I think it was Confucius or one of those old dudes that probably had a long beard, beard who said. The only thing that I know is I don't know. And in that realm of uh, mystery, it, our human ego has to be afraid of the unknown, uh, anything it can't control, which is everything to do with mystery. It creates a fear response. So, of course, it's very scary. And I think that's one of the reasons why all of us walking our journey at times, uh, we'll find resistance uh, about going deeper into the mystery of our life. You know, the person reaching a proverbial midlife crisis, it's a great gateway into a mystery where, a, a, you know, a man or a woman says, okay, I've been working this job. I've been uh, married to this person. I have my 2.3 children and 1.5 dogs and all the things I'm supposed to have to have a good life. But to be honest with you, I don't know who I am beyond these roles I've been playing. And they start to have, you know, this force of nature, you know, kind of creating contractions, pushing them through a birth canal into the mystery of more of who they actually are. And of course, it's scary. Anybody going through a true midlife crisis, which can certainly come out at any time and happen multiple times in our life, it's very scary because we're looking at our sense of self that we've tied to our job, relationships, roles that we play. And it's very scary to actually begin to feel I am not that and I don't know who I am beyond these roles. I think it's one of the reasons why in the Batman movies, Bruce Wayne's worst enemy is Batman. He's addicted to the role of Batman for many reasons. And yet the more Batman's in Bruce Wayne's life, the more Bruce Wayne doesn't know who the hell he is beyond the role of Batman. Anyway, you got my inner child talking about superheroes now. Good. I like it when that happens. Um, yeah, you touched on some important points there again. Uh, I think maybe to wrap up, we can talk about how how we can bring more mystery into our being. Because I feel that mystery is just synonymous, synonymous with lightheartedness. And when you bring the two together, you have a much more I think, graceful way of going about life and you you feel in your body a lot um, more calm and you know it's one of a peak it's a peak state of being I think mm -hmm. and so how can we on a practical level maybe maybe something to do in the mornings we could do if, if you can think off the top of your head or something you do to bring more lightheartedness into your life and um, yeah, that would be a great thing to, to end on. 
Yeah, well, a, a thought that comes to my mind that is, it's been very important to me. It's a, a question I start my day with and I uh, consider multiple times a day. In fact, I've got a note written on my desk right now with a question which says, what wants to live through me? What wants to live through me? It's a mystery. I know my ego wants control. It wants to determine what I'm going to make happen in my life, what I'm going to do. And yeah, I need some of that. My ego wants to have a sense of control. And I also do my best to allow something more to come in, whether it's my soul, higher self, spirit, who, whatever the heck's up there. Um, I believe we're all connected to a deeper purpose beyond our ego's own agenda here. And I think that deeper purpose, it wants to live through us. Uh, just like a newborn baby, nature is pushing it through the birth canal. It wants to go through the birth canal, at least the higher consciousness of it wants to. The question is, how much am I resisting it? So I love the question, what wants to live through me? What I think defeats the question is when we try and answer that with certainty. If I were to sit here and say, Steve, what wants to live through me is conscious comedy through these videos, then I've just created a ceiling. I've just created a sense of certainty. And while that might be true, maybe that does want to live through me. Maybe there's a lot more that it it, it kind of constricts and doesn't allow to be included. So what wants to live through me? And then one other thing I... Uh, I would invite people to consider, and this is probably not at all foreign territory to you, Steve, is uh, sexuality. If we are in a place of using our sexuality in a truly intimate, uh, surrendered way rather than controlling, I think that's us uh, having a drink of the mystery. Uh, for me, true making love is about surrendering control. And when we surrender control, I think that's us swimming in the mystery. We're experiencing something through the intimate connection with the other person uh, that is beyond us. Uh, I think the, the two parts making a whole allows us to have a beautiful drink of something beyond us which I think is a relative mystery uh, to us. And I, the more we surrender control and let that happen, uh, I think the more we're dancing in the realm of mystery. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I think there's a whole other separate podcast we could do, or even a training or something. Um, mm -hmm. Well, I thank you for your time today. JP, it's been an honor, and I think everyone listening is going to get a lot out of it. So um, just for everyone listening or watching, where can they find out more about your work? Yeah, you can jump on my YouTube channel, Awaken with JP. Uh, you're welcome to subscribe to my channel. I put out new videos every week, sometimes multiple times a week, and I'd love to stay connected with you all there. Great. Yeah, I thoroughly recommend everyone doing that. Um, he's going to be 
a great addition to bringing more lightheartedness in your life if you can watch one of his videos a, a day or a week or whenever they come out. So thanks so much, JP, for being here. You're welcome, Steve. I appreciate you having me on, my friend. Did you know you can get all of our podcasts on our free podcast app? Head over to rawattractionpodcast.com to download the app now. For the world's most ecstatic love and sex podcasts, bonus videos, and exclusive articles, head to rawattractionpodcast.com to get the free app now.